Good morning. <laughs> it's just so awesome just to see that logo and see that redemption is coming. That's, that's a powerful statement. That's a powerful thing to think about, that redemption is coming. And when I look around and I see, if you look around at your neighbors and the people around you, you see that that song is so true, that there is an army for the Lord rising up right here at Redemption Church. We are his army. And it's our duty to rise up and meet the challenges that we're going to face every week, every day in this church, in this community, in Big C Church. As followers of Christ, the, the obstacles that the enemy are gonna put, is going to put in our way, we are his army that's rising up and accepting the challenge. You guys with me? All right. Okay, so we're going to go through Matthew 7. We've been walking through the um, Sermon on the Mount with Jimbo, if you've been paying attention. And uh, today's message, the, the theme of today's message is going to be the prayer, the promise, and the purpose. The prayer, the promise, and the purpose. Main passage is Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. All right, Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. And let's read it together. If we can stand for a reverence of his word as we read his word together, that'd be awesome. <clears throat> so it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? May the Lord have the blessing to the reading, the hearing, and doing of his word. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, we just... We ask that you send your Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts. Prepare our positioning, prepare our attitudes to receive, our moral attitudes to receive your word today. Humble us today, Father. Convict us in this moment. Sanctify us through your word today, Father. Help us to truly understand what you're saying to us and how we walk this out through prayer. We desperately need you. Each person in here was sent here by you for a very specific reason today. Help us receive your message. The reason why we're here, help us overstand it. Help us walk it out, Father. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so if you've been paying attention, we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is really laying out some really, some really heavy ideas here. He's really, he's really kind of putting it in our face here with the Sermon on the Mount. The way it's structured in the Bible itself is really laying it out so that we can truly understand what he's saying. If you've been paying attention, he, first he tells us about the ones who are blessed, the characteristics of those who are blessed in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the humble. He's telling us who the blessed are, the characteristics of those people who are blessed. Then he tells us that we're supposed to be salt of the earth and light of the world impossible, right, without him, right? He's giving, he's laying it out. This is what you're supposed to be, right? Salt of, the, salt of the earth, light of the world. Then he throws the law in its entirety in our faces. He says, whoever relaxes one of the least of these 
commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, right? But then, then he shows us how impossible it is to keep even one of these commandments that he's talking about. He says, if you have anger against your brother, it's murder. Looking at a woman with lustful intent and or divorcing for any other reason than cheating is adultery, which is messed up because he just said looking is adultery, which we, that means we've all done it anyway, right? Throwing it in our face. And then he says, then he goes in about not swearing by anything and talked about getting slapped and letting that same person slap you with no retaliation because you're supposed to love your enemies and secretly give to the needy. And then we get an example of how to pray and fast while being careful not to lay up our treasures on earth. And because of this, we should be, not be anxious about anything but remaining humble and openly broken enough to deal with the sin in our own eye before we start to judge others and deal with their sin. Then after laying out the sheer impossibility and hopelessness of walking that out without him, he gives us hope. That's what this passage is. This hope in the form of an encouragement to pray, followed by the promise that, God, that the God of the universe is listening and will respond, and anchored by the character of God who reveals the true purpose of prayer. That's what Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11, as seek, knock. After all of that he laid out, what we, the real thing that we get from all that is when we put everything he's talked about in the Sermon on the Mount and we set our lives up to it, the real thing we realize is that's not me. I can't do that. Right? I can't, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to let a man slap me in the face and then turn the other cheek with no retaliation? How am I supposed to give to the needy and not let my left hand see what my right hand is doing? Secretly, right? How? If you just said looking is adultery, that's a problem for me. And if we're openly broken enough, it's a problem for all of us. Then he gives us hope. Then he says, pray, ask Seek, knock, the prayer. Let's talk about the prayer, the encouragement to pray. Let's look at Matthew 7, 1. It says, ask, and it will be given to you. Then it says, for anyone who asks, receives. Look at Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. This ask it's not like that um, of a child, right? The difference is, let me show you what the difference is. This ask is not saying, gimme, 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 right? This is, ask, this is letting your request be known to God. But we're talking about the God of the universe. So he already knows what you're in need of, what I'm in need of, what it is that we're asking, what it is that we're dealing with. So this ask is not necessarily... If you want this, you need to ask for it, right? This ask is continual conversation with God. This ask is talk to me. I want to see where you are. I want to I hear it out of your mouth. Communicate with me just like I would with my child. If my child had a dance coming up and 
I know he needed $5 for the dance, and I knew what date it was on. I knew that he wanted to do this first and needed a new outfit and some new shoes. If I knew all of this, right, I still want him to come and say, hey, Pops, you know I'm really excited about this dance. I need these new shoes. I, need, I still want that conversation with him, even though I'm already fully prepared to provide that money he needs to provide him with the things that he wants to have for this dance. I already know what he's in need of, but I want the conversation because I want the relationship. That's what God wants. Ask. Talk to him. He wants to listen to you. He wants to have that. The God of the universe wants to communicate with you. Let's talk to God, right? Ask. Let's look at um, John 16, 24. It says, until now you have asked nothing in my name, asking you will receive that your joy may be full. That's the main point, that your joy, ask so that your joy will be. This is not circumstantial happiness, right? This is not, okay, I just got $100 extra on my income tax, right? I'm happy in that moment. This is not that type of happiness. This is the pure joy that comes, that only comes from a relationship with our Heavenly Father. The joy of the Lord in your life comes through a relationship, communication with the Father. That joy that you're asking, that joy that you seek so desperately for, that joy that we all want comes from talking to God. Asking, having a relationship, communication with the Heavenly Father. Joy, unspeakable joy. This joy that I have, the world can't give it and the world can't take it away. This joy. But let's look, just to prove the point a little bit more, there are times later on that the disciples are asking and they don't receive what they want, what they're asking for. Let's look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 21. And when they came, to the cr- they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? They were asking. They were asking, please cast this demon out of this boy. And it didn't work. And they said, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your little faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith the like a grain of a mustard seed, then you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. It's not just, God, give me, right? It takes faith. That faith needs to be worked out in your life. It takes faith to move a mountain. They were asking, they were asking, but they did not receive what they asked for because the motivation was wrong. Mm. Look at, James explains this in James 1, 5, 1, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You got verse 6 on there? Okay, don't worry about it. 
All right, go to James uh, 4, 3 and 4. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do, not, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You ask because your motivation is wrong. You don't receive because you are asking to, please, to, to, to satisfy your own passions and your own pleasures, not for the growth of the kingdom. So what you ask for, God is not just listening to your words. He's checking your intentions, your motivation. Why are you asking for this? What is it? Remember, like I said, if my son is asking for something, I already know what it is he needs, right? I already know what I need to know. But his conversation, when you're asking, God already knows. But what is your intentions behind it? What's your motivation for asking? That's what God is saying. That's, that's what James is saying when you ask and do not receive. Sometimes it's the motivation. Why are you asking? What is it that you're asking for and what's the reason for it? What's your motivation? <clears throat> so this asking of God puts us in a position of communication with God, right? Just like if your child was asking you some questions, it puts you in constant communication. Now, the next step is that is seeking God. If you look, it says, seek and you will find. The one who finds, seek. Seeking indicates a greater intensity than just looking, right? Seeking is, how many of you have children in here? <clears throat> how many of you have ever been in a room and you're watching your child, you're, you're a good parent, you're fully aware of what's going on with your child, and all of a sudden your child notices that you're not standing next to him, right? And you see your child frantically start to search, look around, and you see that fear on their face, what do you do at that point? At that point, you do whatever you have to do to let that child know you're still there, right? Whether it's wave your hands, call their name, hey, go grab them by the hand, it's okay, right? That's the seeking that we should be doing of God. This is greater than just looking. Um, an example would be, I'm not the best at seeking, right? If my wife says, I go in my closet sometimes, and I know my wife does the laundry and she puts the clothes up, God bless her, I love her so much for that, um, I'll go into my closet and I'll say, honey, where's my super suit, right? <laughs> so she'll be like, it's, it's in the closet right there. It's, I, I put it up last week. It's in there. And I say, honey, where is my super suit, right? I'm looking for something, but I'm not really looking, right? So then she walks right into the closet and goes straight to it. Blink. Here it is right here. That's because I was just haphazardly looking, but I wasn't really seeking out what it was I was looking this, when it says seek, this is, this is desperately seeking where God is. Where God is in this scripture. Where's God at in my life? Where's God at in my situation? I'm seeking you out, Lord. And what's the promise? He said, seek and you will find the one who seeks. God is watching us. God knows what's going on. We're like that little child who's trying to walk and do it on our own. And we look around and say, wait a minute. Like, I, where's, wait a minute, right? We're looking for, we're seeking God the Father. God, where are you? That's seeking God. That's, a, that's greater intensity than just looking, right? Than just looking. We're seeking God out. Look at 1 Chronicles 16.11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Continually seeking God out. No matter what's going on in your life. If I'm at the red light, if I'm at Chick-fil-A getting food, if I'm at work, if I'm at church, if I'm at wherever I am, I'm seeking God out continually. Where are you at in this situation? Where can I find you? What's happening right now? Why did you send me here? 
Why am I standing in this place? If, God, if we really truly understand that God is sovereign and the sovereignty of God, God, why am I standing here right now, this second, this minute, this hour? Why did you send me here? Look at that position. Being in position to be used by God because we're seeking him out. Seek him. The one who seeks finds. You, the promise is you will find when you start to seek. If you're still asking questions like, what, what's my purpose? What am I doing here? Seek. Seek him and you will find it. You're not going to figure it out on your own. You cannot do this on your own. Seek God and you will find it. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Let's read that again. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Not very hard, not difficult. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And whoever would draw near to God, how do we draw near to God? Through prayer, right? Through, conf- through constant con- uh, conversation with God, through, through relationship with God. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Jeremiah 29. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you. Declares the Lord, I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you into exile. When you seek him. Seeking, asking is one level. Communication. Asking is having a conversation with God. Expecting him to respond, asking, we're communicating constantly. Seeking is frantically searching, is, is understanding how desperate our situation is when we can't find him, when we, where we are in our lives, when we're searching for purpose, we're seeking God's face, right? Now, now we're ready to knock the door down. We need to knock as if we understand that our sin is on the other side of the door holding it closed. Right? That's not like this. That's not, anybody in there? All right, I'm good. That's, hey, hey, I'm not leaving. I know you, this is the police knock, right? Hey, I know you're in there. We're not leaving. God, where are you? This is, this is, a, this is a display of the persistence of prayer. The persistence of, I'm not leaving this. I'm not getting off my knees until I hear from you. I'm not leaving this prayer closet until I have some purpose, some direction. And this is not because we're trying to coerce a reluctant God. That's not what persistence does. Persistence does not convince God to do what we're asking him to do. Persistence shows God how serious we are about him, about this dependence on him. God loves dependence so much that he gives unqualified people, example, A, impossible tasks unqualified people, impossible tasks because he loves dependence that much. Because he wants you to depend. He wants you at that door. He's standing on the other side smiling. He loves me. Look at him. Yeah. 
He's not leaving. He won't leave, right? He wants you to stand there. He wants you to stay there with him. He wants you asking and communication with him. He wants you frantically seeking him out in every situation. And he wants you knocking on that door, ready to break it down if you have to. Put a hole in that door. Knocking, the persistence of prayer. Jesus even modeled this. Look at Matthew 26, verse 39. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cut pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I, but you will. You see the, you see the position of, of the motivation? Let this cut pass from me, but nevertheless, it's your will, not mine. That's the, that's the intention behind it, right? And then again in 42, in verse 42, he asked again. And again, for the second time, this is Jesus. For the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Second time. Then again in 44, a third time. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. And he's showing us the persistence of prayer. And he's not saying, he's not saying, I'm trying to convince God. He's saying, let this cut pass, but nevertheless, if it be your will, if it's your will for this to be done, then let it be done. But he's communicating, he's seeking God out, and this, he's facing his cross. Jesus is facing his crucifixion in this moment, and he's seeking God out in that moment. God, where are you in this? Show me what your will is. What is it that you want from me? Why am, why am I here? If it be your will, let it be done. He's knocking consistently, praying. John did the same thing. Look at Second Corinthians 12. It says, verse 7, it says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. Messenger, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Look what he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. John asked him three times to take that thorn from his side. But the motivation was not to get rid of the pain. John was asking to take that thorn for a side because he understood it was there to stop him from being conceited. It was there for a specific person, but the persistence of his prayer. And think about this. We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about John. The things that they asked for, did God give it to them? No. Right? Not while they were asking, right? We know what happened with Jesus because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that, right? So... It's not that they're asking, saying, give me, give me, give me. They're asking because it's constant communication, relationship. It's seeking God in the moment, and it's knocking that door down with persistence because they know the God of the universe is listening. That's the confidence that comes with that relationship, to know that as I'm praying, as I'm communicating, as I'm seeking God, as I'm being persistent in my prayer, I know that I know that I know that the God of the, the creator of everything created is listening to me. He hears me and he responds. He hears me and he responds. And the good news is he responds in the way that's best for me, not necessarily what I'm asking for, right? Every night, Danny goes to bed at 8.30, my eight-year-old. Every night at 8.02, he says, can I have a cookie? Every night. 
Like, it never fails. Like, it's like clock. It's the only thing he remembers, right? Every night at 8.02, he says, can I have a cookie? The answer is always no. You cannot have a cookie at 8.02, right, when it's bedtime, right? Right when you're about to go to bed, I'm not going to give you. If anybody knows Danny, you wouldn't give him sweets when you're trying to get him to lay down, right? I'm not going to give you that cookie, right? Because, not because I don't love you and I don't think you deserve a cookie. It's because that's not the best thing for you right now. That's our Heavenly Father. We're asking, we're asking, but it might not be the best. And just like Jimbo said last week, sometimes God giving us what we ask for is his wrath. Maybe the worst thing he can do is give me what I'm asking for. I see drug addicts all the time play the lottery. I'm like, bro, if you won the lottery, you'd be dead in a week. Right? Like, what, what are we doing here, right? The worst thing that God can do, and they're praying, scratching that thing off. Come on, God, just one. Come on, come on, come on. If God gave you that number and gave you a million dollars, you wouldn't last a week. The worst thing God could do was give you some money right now. That's what we're talking about. Communication, seeking, asking, and the promise, right? That's the, that's the encouragement to prayer in this section. Now, the promise is that... The promise is the confidence knowing that God is listening and answers prayer. The promise that everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. The best thing about prayer is not that you receive a specific answer, but that you have spent that time with the Father. Let me say that again. The best thing about prayer is not that you receive a specific answer, but that you have spent time with the Father. When do we pray? When do we pray not like corporate prayer, not like a little prayer before we eat, but when do you actually feel like you've sweated out and you've really spent some time praying to God? It's when we're in a crisis. It's when we desperately need God for some specific reason, right? Let me tell you, let me tell you what a side chick is, right? I know, you might have to erase some of this, Jimbo. All right, so listen, so... When you're in a relationship with somebody and you have somebody on the side, you spend more majority of your time with your family and that person. But when you need something, you call your side person, right? Whether it's for spending an hour or two with that person, then you're done. You don't text them. You don't call them. You don't do anything with them. Then all of a sudden, two weeks later, you need something. You reach out to that person. Is Jesus your side chick? Do we, call, do we call on Jesus only when we need something? When Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we're living our lives, we're doing it all on our own, and then all of a sudden, Thursday, a crisis happens, then we're on our knees. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's power in your name. Jesus Christ. We start saying all the cliches. No mountains high enough. No valleys low enough. God, I need you. You're a way maker. But he was that same way maker Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But were we calling out to him? We treat Jesus like we would a, a call service, right? I just need you right now, but then when I'm done, you go on that shelf where I put my Bible out every week. You sit there, and then on Sunday, I'll give you some time Sunday. I'll give you a couple hours. Just be cool and wait patiently, right? That's not how it works. And if that is how it works, the funny thing is that when you call him, you expect him to do something. You expect him to respond when you've ignored him all week. God doesn't take time off. He doesn't, he doesn't say, okay, I'm not going to pay attention to him for a couple of days. And then when he calls you, oh, you remind him. Oh, yeah. There stands. How you been, bro? What you need? It's not how God works. Right? God is con- constantly looking out for you, stopping this, doing all this stuff for you, 
uh, blessing you, doing all this stuff, making things happen. God is constantly in your life, whether you accept it or whether you acknowledge it or not. We were created to worship, which means that we're always worshiping. The question is, what are we worshiping? What has your attention? What has your time? What are you more focused on? When I wake up in the morning, do I get on my knees and pray or do I check my Facebook? It got quieter here, right? Right? The, the trick of the devil is I use my phone to wake me up. So I have to pick my phone up every morning. So it's already right there, right? Notifications and everything. Who say who liked my post? Forgetting the fact that it's Jesus that woke us up that morning. Right? Forgetting the fact that the only reason I have a breath to breathe is because Christ loves me and died on the cross for me. No acknowledgement of that. It's all personal. It's all, it's all selfish. Being openly broken is admitting, is understanding and admitting how sinful we are, how sinful our nature is. We are horrible, terrible beings who have no hope outside of the Father. No hope. The only thing good about me is that Jesus died on the cross for me. That's the only thing good about me. So to be self-righteous, to have pride is silly in nature. What am I prideful of? When you really think about it, what am I, what am I self-righteous of? How does any of that come from Stan Rivers? It doesn't. If you really knew the Stan Rivers, you would probably be walking out of here right now. Like, this guy's not qualified to speak to me about Christ. Don't Google me either. You don't want to know. <laughs> so, which leads us to the purpose of prayer, a purpose of asking, seeking, and knocking, understanding that the prayer, the encouragement to prayer in this passage is ask, seek, and knock, right? Because God is going to respond. And then the promise of the one who asks will receive, the one who seeks will find, the one who knocked the door will be open to you. Now let's talk about the purpose of doing that. The character of God is displayed here in, in verse 9 through 10. Let's read it. Or which one of you, if his son asks for him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent. We are sinful beings. We are, we are dirt that God formed into a man and breathed into. That's who we are by nature. We are sinners by nature. Everything in our nature pushes us away from the purpose that God created us for. The enemy knows this. He plays on that. He, puts, he tempts us, and at every turn when he tempts us, we get distracted, right? We go. We, we, we fall for these temptations. We might be able to block it here, block it there, but he's surrounding us with these temptations, right? That's who we are. So even us, being these sinful people, know how to do good still. We still know how to because if our child or our loved one asks you, for bread, who in here by show of hands would give him a rock? But you're sinners. But you're evil people. But you even know not to give a child a rock when he asks for bread. You even know not to give him a snake, because there's probably many of us that wouldn't even touch a snake, would not give him a snake if he asked for a fish, right? In comparison, the comparison is something like that at the time... the audience could relate to this story because of, you know, the situations of everybody can understand that as a parent, you wouldn't give your child 
um, something that was going to harm them, that not going to help them. And even the father, even an evil person, all his pride and selfishness and overall evil could still provide what is good to the child. And when we take who we are and hold that up in comparison to the creator of all things created, then we can understand what he's saying in verse 11. Let's read verse 11. And see, what, and see if, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask? If you, who are evil, know how to good, give good things to your children, how much more will your Father give? If you know, if you know how to give good things as a sinner, how much more the creator of the universe will give? That's what he's saying in verse 11. In fact, when you look at it, the creator gave us his son. He gave us the ultimate gift of salvation through the sacrifice of his only son, and he offers it to you only when you ask, seek, and knock. We have this gift from the Father. The Father's already, the the prayer that we're praying, God, I need your help God, I need salvation. God, I need purpose. God, I can't find you. He's already given us the answer to it through his son. And he wrote it in a book. He wrote it down for you and me to read and understand it. To spend time in it. The curtain was ripped so that we can have communication with God. So that we can speak to him. He gave us the ultimate gift before we even asked for it. Because he knows and loves us. From the womb, from the creation. He knew you. He knows you now. You can't hide from him. Why would you hide from him? We ask because we need to speak to God. We seek because we need to know what it is. We need to see God in, our, in his presence. We need to see God in our situation. And we tear that door down with our persistence. Not because we're trying to convince but because we want to continually talk and show God how important and how much we depend on him. He knows how much we need him. He wants us to know how much we need him. We seek, we ask, we knock. That's the prayer, that's the promise, and that's the purpose. The purpose for prayer is so that we can have that relationship and build that relationship and dependence on our Heavenly Father. We desperately need Him, every single one of us. Through bold and persistent prayer, we build a deeper relationship with and a dependence on God. A deeper relationship with and a dependence on God through this prayer, through this persistence, through asking, through seeking, through knocking. That's how we build that up. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've been so good to us. You know us better than we know ourselves. There is power in your name. As we get closer to Redemption Church, we understand that we're an army rising up to the occasion. We can't do anything without you, Father. We desperately need you. And everything that we do, we desperately need you. Help us see you, Father. Help us find you. 
We worship your holy name. Father, if there is anyone in this place right now, Father, I ask for your Holy Spirit to move us. This is our time. This is the time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.